Welcome, everyone, to the second episode of the DTB podcast, and I am your host, Connor Brown, and I bet you guys are feeling quite refreshed now after you got your little bit of a sports fixed with your NFL draft over this last weekend. I know I, d- I feel quite, I would say, filled up on my sports for at least maybe the next week or two until we figure out what's coming next with our sports. But till then, you got to kind of look at what we just got. Got a lot of different nuggets, tidbits, different view takes now as the NFL kind of takes shape for this coming season. And, I mean, you have to look at it the way these teams drafted. A lot of them drafted to win now, and other teams, let's just say, drafted to win maybe – Three years from now? Five years? I don't know. But anyways, let's get into it. Well, if you're going to look at the first headlines, you got to look at the first overall picks. And now, there's not much different to go on to start the draft, really. I mean, nothing really shocker with the first pick, with Joe Burrow being the one that gets selected first overall. We kind of all expected that, but when, you know, you look at the other teams that got, that were selecting after them, you know, the Redskins and then the Lions, a lot of people were starting to speculate whether the Lions were going to move out of that third pick, whether they was going to move down, you know, five slots or to whoever, and someone might jump, jump up to go draft, whether it was Tua, Herbert, whoever. And that was kind of the surprising thing that no one saw coming was that the Lions were going to hang on to the pick. But other than that, the draft kind of stayed pretty straightforward. I mean, there wasn't really much fluctuation. I mean, you had some teams kind of, you know, that consider moving around. But for the most part, it kind of stayed straightforward. You were not seeing a lot of trades, a lot of movement. Not a lot of teams felt like they were going to have to make those big moves up or anything like that. But, you know, once you got down to it, it got down. You look at those quarterbacks that were really starting to grab the headlines. You look at the Herberts and the Tua's. And Miami, they might have finally got their guy. I know Dolphins fans probably are feeling quite relieved at this point, you know, finally years and years of you know treading water seven and nine eight and eight maybe the lucky nine and seven those years you may squeak into the playoffs and even when you're really good the Patriots are even better and they take you out of a playoff spot so the Dolphins at this point you know with the division wide open may have gotten their savior in Tua but after that you know the Chargers go and select Justin Herbert the West Coast kid out of Oregon gets to stay close to home kind of at this point get to be the leader of a new of a franchise that is kind of taking on a refreshed identity they got those brand new snazzy uniforms brand new shiny arena even shiny stadium even though they're going to be second tenant really in it but all in all once you get down to that we could kind of start to look at how the draft started to take shape otherwise a lot of teams, you know, they were trying to, you know, take gambles at this point. You know, I'm not I'm not going to get to the point of where we're, we're going to discuss the Packers quite yet and what they may have decided to do. But 
you look at it otherwise at this draft, you had teams that, you know, would really draft it quite smart at this point. A lot of people might bag on um, certain Dave Gettleman out of New York at this point with his previous run of, you know, decisions and other maybe gaffes, you could say, but he drafted quite smart overall. He can't go wrong with taking what might be the most consistent offensive tackle other than Jedrick Wills, who is also up in that category, but Andrew Thomas out of Georgia, go dogs. You can't really follow the way Gettleman approached this draft. The one really surprising thing out of the top 10 was Isaiah Simmons because he's more of a scheme fit wherever you're going to use him. And he may have slid down to number eight, which was Arizona. Now, a lot of people are going to view this as either steal or maybe fool's gold because if he doesn't fit and Arizona intends to use him at linebacker, and a lot of people may disagree with that ultimately, but at this point, when it comes to a raw athlete the way Isaiah Simmons is, he's worth the gamble, especially if you're going to get him at number eight. And overall, we'll get to the draft grades later. Arizona did very, very well from themselves in this draft. Uh, the rest of, you know, the first round, you saw teams really start to, you know, at this point be quite smart with their selections. Uh, the Browns went with Jedrick Wills. Then right after that, the Jets, they've at this point needed to fix their offensive line for quite some time. It's not been very It's had some very good players part of it, like Mangold and Brickashaw Ferguson. But over time, it's been one of the weaker spots on the Jets roster. They've had very bright spots, you know, what, whether it's been on the defensive end of things. But the over, one of the weaker spots of the team has always been their offensive line. And they get Vakai Becton, Mount Becton out of Louisville. And he's going to be a, a very, very, very good fit on that offensive line if they can keep him in shape and keep him focused on, you know, a very co- consistent game plan that they intend on having in New York. I think he'll be a very good fit in New York. Now, where things started to get interesting, since this was a very wide receiver heavy draft, was when we get to number 12. And number 12 was Henry Ruggs out of Oakland. And Oakland, this draft, we'll get to it later again with the draft grades. They didn't really hit a whole bunch of home runs in this draft. But a lot of people aren't as high on Henry Ruggs as I am. He's the most raw athlete receiver in he yes he isn't I'd say put on as many stellar performances as you've seen from Jerry Judy or even C.D. Lamb but when it comes to Henry Ruggs I this is a draft I really don't think you could go wrong with a lot of these receivers I know it's we're gonna look at them all in a sample size you know when these set this is all said and done and you get some years down the line and you look at this draft class again and where everyone's at. You're going to see who's really the better player and who's not. But for now, going into this draft, they were all very comparable receivers. So Henry Ruggs going to the Raiders. A lot of people may have not liked it. I'm not going to hate on it, you know, especially now. The one steal, especially in that first round, may have been at number 13, where Tristan Wirfs fell to Tampa Bay, who really needed a tackle to help Tom Brady out. In his first season, as you know, we're going into a season with a lot of uncertainty on whether players are going to, you know, 
get the proper time to train with coaches and their other fellow players to get used to the systems that they have in place. So maybe this is a good, you know, pick for them, but we'll see how it works out this season with Tristan Wirfs, but overall at 13 for the value that they got, you could say at this point that's a steal. And the other steal coming right after that, I think is Javon Kinlaw going to the Niners, who just right before, actually the next night after it, they went and acquired Trent Williams because Joe Staley just retired. So the Niners secretly already at that point, without discussing the draft right there, they were already starting to be a winner getting a Pro Bowl tackle to replace their other Pro Bowl tackle. But once you go look at what they got at defensive tackle at number 14 in Javon Kinlaw, they're going to get one of the more consistent um, performers off that defensive line in this whole draft. And I think that when you look at a team that was already just feasting on quarterbacks with that defensive front that they had, with Javon Kinlaw, it's only going to get more and more like that and another one that we should look at a team that just hit a home run in the draft picked at 15 was the Denver Broncos with Jerry Judy. We'll discuss with the draft grades, how well Denver did overall, but they really needed to focus on getting some weapons. This is a team that had some decent weapons. They're already starting to build on with Noah Fant, Cortland Sutton, but they still needed to, get some more juice, especially on the outside. And what Jerry Judy does is give him another great playmaker on the outside that you're going to really get a good view. Like we said, we'll cover later in this draft. This draft will really give us a good idea of what Drew Locke can really do once you give him great weapons at his disposal and try to give him every chance to succeed ultimately. And if we're going to go to wide receiver, you can't, not discuss C.D. Lamb falling to the Cowboys at 17. This one was more of a luxury pick I've already seen. It wasn't necessarily what the Cowboys needed to take right off the bat was to get another playmaker, but this Cowboys offense is already going to be more revitalized than ever, going to be able to create more big plays, especially now you can add in a C.D. Lamb to this offense. I've already, I'll have a prediction later in the show on what, will happen with the Cowboys ultimately this season where I think they'll end up. But this pick will really help them get to what ultimately I say will be the result of their season. And overall, Jerry Jones will look back at what he did this past weekend off his yacht somewhere floating in probably the Gulf, what he was able to do, and it was quite impressive. But once you look at it overall, it was a pretty interesting draft. and. The most interesting pick, we can say, in the first round, obviously, came at 26, where the Packers decided to trade up three, about four slots, actually, to the 26th overall pick um, that was held by the Dolphins, traded a fourth rounder, if I remember right, to get Jordan Love out of Utah State at 26th. Now, this really draw a lot of question marks because you right away think that quarterback would be something that they wouldn't have to take, especially at in the first round of all things. But when they decided to do that, it really started to show that they were looking right away at the future and being like, is this going to be able to be what we go with, you know, 
future years feeling confident in. And right now, they don't know if they can do that with Aaron Rodgers, who has never really... I know we're going to get to the point of discussing he's never had the receiver help, but he's never had a great backup quarterback situation where he can feel confident that if a guy has to come in for a few games, they can, you know, kind of tread water and feel confident that the thing's not going to fall apart. We've seen in previous years that they just don't have that. So even then... You can look at it that way and feel like, well, just in a pinch, if they have to maybe put them out there, things won't completely melt down. I know the Green Bay wouldn't have to think like that, but we'll get into Green Bay as far as what will happen in the future with them later on. But other than that, in the first round, it's kind of straightforward how I thought the Ravens did take a player that I thought they would in Patrick Queen, who's a great fit in Baltimore, who obviously with their linebacker history has a thing of making tremendous linebackers in that defensive backfield so I mean overall that first round had a lot of interesting picks some surprises and overall pretty interesting first night now once you look into the second round that's when other interesting things happen like the Jalen Hurts getting drafted by Philadelphia who I don't know if that's really going to be a great fit for him. I know a lot of people at this point may be looking at it like, oh, well, he can be that kind of gadget quarterback that Taysom Hill is in New Orleans. I don't know if that's what they're going to use, be able to, you know, use Jalen Hurts to that same capacity in Philadelphia. I do, though think that that will give him a solid quarterback option to turn to other than Carson Wentz, who we can already tell is having some problem finishing a season at this point in his career. So being able to make sure they can solidify that position outside of Carson Wentz might be a wise decision. I don't know if it's worth the second rounder, and we're ultimately going to be able to judge that later on. But other than that, in the second round, you had some other surprising things like the Packers taking a running back again. It's a very surprised decision on their part. Uh, Antoine Winfield falling to the Buccaneers. That's going to be another very, very interesting selection. You know, to see how they are able to get this team going from a team that was essentially a 500 team last year to possibly a contender this year. We'll see how that turns out and other different headlines that may have happened. And yes, there's a lot more other things, but once you get into these other picks in like the third, fourth round, you're really starting to just find, you know, the players that will make up the rest of your roster and they're not going to be the flashy names, but they're going to be, you know, the meat and potatoes of your daily, of your weekly game plan going into these games is going to involve these players and ultimately what you're going to be able to get out of them with coaching and different types, of, and especially this offseason is going to put that to a test, see what happened, see what happens with that going into things like preseason and OTAs. But anyways, as we move on to things now involving these teams, let's go over each team as far as their individual draft grades and what they're ultimately able to do as far as being able to take advantage of the picks they had and whether that you were able to improve their team or really just kind of tread water. So let's start off with the AFC and go into the AFC East. And you look at Buffalo. I gave Buffalo my draft grades B minus. 
I thought they did pretty well. They only had so much to really work with, but they had some things to really address. They had to address, ultimately, their defensive end position. They kind of needed another edge rusher, and they needed to add some more weapons. I know they went and acquired Stefan Diggs, and they were able to do that. The one thing they're also really lacking, though, is some more help in the secondary, and they did get Dane Jackson in the seventh round, but... When you're starting to talk about the seventh round fringe picks, you don't know if those are going to be the ones that hang out of the roster or not. So they could have did better to address that. They got AJ Epinesa with their the first selection of the they had in draft in the second round, and he's a very good player out of Iowa. We'll give them a solid edge rusher for the future years to come. Zach Moss they were able to get out of Utah. I think he's going to be a sneaky good player if they're going to give him enough reps to see what he can really do. They are, kind of have a backfield that's kind of open. The, the one question mark, obviously, you're going to look at is Jake Fromm, whether, you know, at this point, he's going to be a guy that can kind of turn to or just be another guy in the quarterback room to kind of help Josh Allen along. I don't know what ultimately he'll be used as in the NFL, if he'll really be given a shot to, you know, get some time to play, or is it going to be really Josh Allen from day one from – here on out and you're never going to see Jake from we'll see, but you need a solid quarterback, you know, in the quarterback room outside your starter. And I think Jake from could be that he's a guy that's kind of the exact opposite of what Josh Allen brings to the table. You know, a guy who's not got the strongest arm, but is able to capitalize on the other things like scheming and reading defenses and being more mental than the physical, you know, threat on the field. So, We'll see how that works for the Bills. Now, the best team in that division as far as when it came to draft weekend was the team that had the most to work with, and that was Miami. I gave them an A because it gets to a point when you have that many picks, it's really, really tough to really mess it up. I know the I'll get to the Raiders later, and they had a lot of picks, and they really didn't take advantage of what they could have with all those. But when you look at Miami – they did very well. Obviously, when you look at what they were able to do, they tanked for Tua and they succeeded. Tua kind of tanked down to them at number five in this draft. But they succeeded. They got their guy. And if you're going to get a guy like Tua with all the questionable medicals that he's had, you got to get some protection around him. And they did very good getting Austin Jackson and Robert Hunt, who I think both will be very key assets going forward. For them in the future to help give Tua that protection and make sure that he's going to be, you know, healthy more than anything else at this point. That's what they really need. And they also were able to get another solid guy, Solomon Kinley, who at this point, whether he'll project as a guard or he'll move over to tackle, we don't know. But they really were smart to double and triple down on that offensive line to give Tua that help going forward. Uh, they did other smart things in this draft, helped their defensive front. Noah Higby from um, Auburn, that was a very solid pick. Raekwon Davis, and a sneaky good pick for them would be Curtis Weaver out of Boise, who doesn't really fit the physicals as far as what you want on that defensive edge rusher position, but he finds a way to get to the quarterback, and ultimately that's what the Dolphins have needed to get on that defensive side of the ball. So I think that's a player to watch out for on the Miami side of things. 
And and if you're going to jump from the good, you got to get to the teams that didn't really get to the get everything that they want or needed, in my opinion. And that was New England. I don't know what it is about Belichick in the draft. Whether he just doesn't focus enough on these things or what, or he can try and get the diamonds in the rough and free agency and try to build rosters off of that. But again, this is a draft that I just thought was a very average draft for the Patriots, if you want to even call it average. I mean, you could start off with the first pick they had, Kyle Duggar out of Illinois Rhine, who he makes a lot of plays, but is he going to transfer to the next level effectively? That's a gamble pick. Josh Uchi out of um, Michigan, I think, would be their best pick out of overall in this draft, the one to really watch out for out of their, their draft class. He's a great edge rusher. <clears throat> but once you look at everything else, Anthony Jennings, he's a guy that was kind of iffy on my draft board, whether he'd go where he would go or fall farther in the draft. He went at 87 for them. He's a guy that can fit multiple positions for them. They like that kind of versatility. But again, that was another pick that was iffy on Devin Asasi, tight end. They doubled up on tight ends at 91 and 101 in the draft. And that was kind of, I don't know. You could kind of say that was a questionable thing right there to go double up on the tight ends back to back in that situation. But they went with Asiasi and then they went with Dalton Keene. And we'll see ultimately how that is. Asiasi more of the pass catching one out of those two. Uh, they went and they got the kicker and I'm not going to die into that kicker and the storyline that went with him, but they went and they decided to take one at 159. And after it was a bunch of fairly Belichick-esque picks some defensive play a defensive player that you wouldn't be surprised turns out to be a good player and offensive lineman that they really need at this point because you don't know how they're going to be kind of built going into this future into the future the Patriots they've had a lot of things turn over obviously with Tom Brady and the other players leaving but also with Dante Scarnecchia leaving they have a lot of things that you just don't know on but what I do know on is the Jets, and for some reason the Jets always have a semi-solid draft, and I think that you can kind of say they did the same thing here. Went with Becton with their first overall selection, then followed up with Denzel Mims, a guy that more of a scheme fit guy, but a guy that overall I think could help a Jets sec- uh, wide receiver room that's kind of, let's just say, been lacking for years and then after that, they went with defense with Ashton Davis, a smart safety, and then Jabari Zuniga, a guy who had a down most recent season of college, but overall has shown very a lot of promise to be a very good player. And then the rest of that, you're surprised that they went with James Morgan out of um, FIU. But overall, that could be a very smart pick for them. They need another quarterback, as we've seen when Sam Darnold didn't play last year. What happened, they were left with a lot of questions and not a lot of answers, and that kind of sent their season spiraling, even when they could kind of get it back on track. It wasn't the same. So overall, you can't really complain with what the Jets did. They're kind of short of that A grade 
they had too many things that you just kind of don't know if they're going to work out with Mims and some of these other later selections. Like, they also took a punter, but not much to complain about if you're a Jets fan as of yet. season hasn't started yet. Then you move into the AFC North, my division. And then you start off with the bitter, bitter, bitter rival, Baltimore Ravens. And I hate to give them credit where credit's due, but I think they may have had the better, one of the best drafts out of everybody in this whole draft. And that's just because they had a lot of things kind of fall to them. Like I said, they had Patrick Queen, which is a great fit for them overall. But J.K. Dobbins being able to get him in the second round you can already see with Lamar Jackson pairing him up with J.K. Dobbins in that backfield. They're going to be able to just make a lot of defensive coordinators lose sleep. And then once you look at the defense, Justin Medbuke, who fell to them, I had him going in the second round, and they ended up getting him in a third. And another steal on the defensive side of things is Malik Harrison and the linebacker. They're going to have a very strong linebacker group going forward in Baltimore. And then they followed up with two very good offensive lineman picks in Tyree Phillips and Ben Bredesen. And another, and I think what may be one of the steel receivers in this draft is James Prochet, who had a very good career at SMU. And the fact that you're able to get him that late in the draft the way they did. Baltimore, I think, they deserve that A-plus grade. And they always seem to have solid drafts. They've never in recent years have had that draft where you're just drawing question marks, but this draft, they answered every need that they had and they got some, and I wouldn't even say diamond in the roughs, just more or less players that fell to them and very fortunate to have available at that position. So for the Ravens, they did pretty well. You know, another team that did pretty well is Cincinnati and you're going to do pretty well when you're picking first in every round, but you start off with Joe Burrow and then you give him a weapon to T Higgins those are two very solid picks. And then after that, they were able to give some defensive help with Logan Wilson out of Wyoming and Khalid Kareem out of Notre Dame. Those players will help another defense on the defensive side of the ball, which also has been lacking. And just another very solid draft, and that's what you're going to get, again, from a team that at this point needs to start from square one. And they got a very good start, I think, with this draft class. Not much to complain about. We'll see how Joe Burrow progresses in his first year. We'll see, you know, with this offseason, how he's able to grow and get, you know, into an NFL system. But at that point, you know, we're going to look at these things and be able to draw projections and be able to get a solid footing on what these picks will be. So I think that for the Bengals, this is a draft that they may have not hit a home run on every pick, but they're going to be solid foundation for going forward. Now, we're going to get to America's team, Cleveland. Cleveland had a draft that everyone seems to like. You start off with Jedrick Wills, who might be one of the best offensive tackles in the draft, maybe the best one. I think he's the most pro-ready one. Grant Delpit, that fell to you in the second round. The only question mark about him, you'd say, is his tackling. He shares that up, then that's a steal pick. Another good pick on that defensive front would be Jordan Elliott at defensive tackle. Followed up with Jacob Phillips, another good LSU player, at linebacker, at pick 97. Harrison Bryant, who I think is going to be the steal out of this whole draft class for the Browns, especially at 115. He's a guy that can kind of fit that receiver tight end mold that the Browns have kind of 
really wanted to approach, you know, their offense with it going forward with Kevin Stefanski and Baker really is going to like to be able to throw to these tight ends that he's had. He's going to have a lot of weapons. They even went out and got Donovan Peoples-Jones with the last pick in this draft. So the Browns, I think very solid top five overall draft worth an A. They not only answered everything that they needed, but even got some things that will help, you know, Baker progress coming off a year that we all admit that he needs to kind of bounce back from. So at this point, Cleveland, you get the A, and we'll see how these picks pan out for them. Now, the team I think that did the worst in the division would have to be the Steelers, and they almost got the C average draft, but I kind of budged them up to a B because I I like their pick at Anthony Farland, the running back. They need another running back in their stable, and he's going to really help them. But other than that, their draft class was very meh, to say the least. Chase Claypool, who's a receiver that hit or miss, they may have found another guy to help them out on the uh, out on the edge, but maybe not. Um, another edge rusher and um, Alex Highsmith. I don't know. He's coming out of Charlotte. There's, you know, questions whether he'll translate to the NFL level as effectively, but we'll see. They got Colts fan, Kevin Dodson. Maybe he'll help give some good solidify that offensive line that also really needs some help with a lot of aging veterans they have. But overall, I think the Steelers could have did better here. Their defense, which has been very good, they didn't need another safety, I feel like. Maybe for a depth pick later in the draft, but there's some other needs that I think the Steelers could have addressed. And another thing, they didn't go with a quarterback, which is very interesting. What will they do? I think that this would be a good fit, just throwing it in. Side note, this would be a good fit for Cam Newton to look at because Ben Roethlisberger in recent years has not been able to stay healthy for a full season, might not be able to finish a full season if he gets beat around with a questionable offensive line so cam newton this would be a very good fit for him going forward be a good as far as being able to fit that run and pass attack that they have in pittsburgh i'm not trying to give the steelers any ideas wink wink but i think that if cam decided to go anywhere he pittsburgh should probably top his list but if you're going to go to Top in list, that will not be the Texans as far as what they'll be doing under Bill O'Brien's control as far as GM. This draft, I gave them one of the more lower grades. And that might be just a running trend in Houston as far as getting low grades. They went and got Ross Blacklock, a local pick for TCU, and followed it up with another linebacker, edge rusher, and Jonathan Grinnard. And overall... One thing they didn't do, they didn't get that receiver threat. They got Isaiah Coulter out of Rhode Island, but they didn't get that guy that you're really concerned with. And that might be just because they only had the five selections. And that might be only because also they feel really confident with the receivers that they already have. They're a very good receiver room as it is. But this just felt like a very, very average draft that you would see a team have. Nothing that really wowed me that Houston did. Now, a team that has been very impressive overall in recent years as far as their overall with general their moves as far as their general manager has been making has been Indianapolis post-Andrew Luck. 
they've been hitting home runs, and I think this draft was about damn near as much of a home run as you could have. You look at the players they went, they got Michael Pittman, another receiver that they had to go get as far as to solidify the receiving room that has not had anybody outside of T.Y. Hilton really give you any confidence throwing to. So Michael Pittman will be Philip Rivers' new best friend throwing the football to, and they gave Philip another weapon with Jonathan Taylor, who, yes, he has a lot of miles on him from Wisconsin, but he didn't get hit a lot, I'll tell you that much, with all those good offensive linemen Wisconsin's produced. And he'll be a very good fit in Indianapolis, who right there just got two very good weapons. They followed up with Julian Blackman, another good defensive safety that they needed to get to their safety. It's been one of the weaker parts on their defensive side of the ball. So to get Julian Blackman where they did was a steal. And then what might be another steal, we'll see how this pans out, you know, after Phillips, after Philip Rivers decides to retire, is Jacob Eason. Maybe Jacob Eason is the future. Maybe he's not. But you're going to get be able under Philip Rivers to get solid tutelage. And you're going to be able to one day get a solid view with all the weapons also that they're giving Eason with this draft that you're going to be able to tell if he is the guy or not. And that's what you really want to be able to do if you're a GM is be able to give the, your quarterback, if you're going to give him the honest, you know, for, first try at being an NFL quarterback to give him the best chance to succeed. And I think that's what they they did in this draft with Easton going forward. Even, you know, go with Phillip Rivers for a year, this is going to be very helpful for Phillip, but also helpful for Easton as he grows. He's going to be able to grow with these players. And also the other players that they went and got, Danny Pinter, Robert Windsor, Isaiah Richards, Desmond. Pe- these are very good players that they won't necessarily be starting, but they need to do add in the depth positions. So Indy, they may not get the A-plus grade, but they got an A, whatever you may want to grade, A, A-minus. But this is a solid draft, and Indy's been making nothing but solid moves as of late. Now, a team I thought would have make solid moves would be Jacksonville because they had so many selections, and they had a lot of things you just didn't think they could really like mess up with this draft. But I think that they kind of left a lot of things questioned. I think the one thing they needed to address right off the bat was defensive tackle. And they didn't do that right away. And I know they had other things on the defensive side of the football to address. But they went with C.J. Henderson, who is a, may, he may very well be the best corner in this whole draft. But I don't necessarily think they needed to go with the corner right off the bat. They did fo- follow it up with Kavan Kaysan. And again, that might not be the best fit for them, but I do understand that pick ultimately. LaVisca Chenault, who is a guy, we'll see if he's going to pan out ultimately for them. They need another receiver that's going to be a threat on the offensive side of the football. Davon Hamilton is a guy to watch out for. He's a guy that played a lot at Ohio State, but he's a guy that might be able to start right off the bat. He's a defensive stalwart at the um nose at the nose tackle position which now has been kind of looked over in the NFL to say, let's say the least but after that this dolphins i mean at dolphins jaguars draft kind of didn't really didn't wow me to say the least they took another quarterback uh, they went and got another receiver in Colin Johnson who's a high point threat but this was a almost very basic draft even with all the selections that the Jaguars had and that kind of surprised me that 
especially since they really started needed to focus on the defensive tackle position, only walking away with one ultimately in this draft. That's kind of a shocker. Well, you'll get to the last team in that division. I think the team that may have hit the home run is the Titans. Titans, they needed an offensive lineman. They went and got an Isaiah Wilson out of out of Georgia. And with that second-round pick, they got a steal, an absolute steal in Christian Fulton, who a lot of people had going in the first round. And ultimately, they get him in the second round. And he, may have, he was about to fall out of the second round, and they got him. So that might be one of the steal picks in this draft. They may have found a um, top Pro Bowl safety, I mean, top Pro Bowl corner. They were able to get him in the second round. And then after that, these were very solid picks. Darrington Evans, uh, Laurel Merchinson, another player they needed to help get on the defensive tackle position that's going to help. Uh, Cole McDonald, the quarterback that I like out of Hawaii, he's very exciting. This is a very solid, solid draft class by the Titans. And to come off a season where they made the AFC Championship, there's more to come possibly in Tennessee. We'll see how this works for them. The last division we'll cover, obviously, in the AFC will be the West. And then you're going to go out to the team that may have hit the most home runs in this draft. You're going to have to look at the Denver Broncos, who they get with their first two picks, Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler, two absolute stud receivers. They're going to give Drew Locke a lot to work with this coming season. He already had a decent amount to work with, with Noah Fant and Cortland Sutton in that but with those two, he's now going to have one of the better groups of weapons in the league, possibly going forward in future years. So you're going to be able to get a solid a solid review of your quarterback and what he'll bring to the table. Then after it, they got a solid corner, uh, Michael Ojumale out of um, Iowa, Lloyd Cushenberry, who might be the best center in this draft coming out of LSU, McTelvin Ajum who's going to be a solid defensive tackle for years to come in the NFL. One of Drew Locke's best weapons, Albert O, I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name, out of Missouri. This draft overall just hit a, crossed all the boxes off for Denver. I think that this is Elway kind of just not overthinking the draft, knowing that if it's a solid pick on the board, just take it, and that's what he did here. And... Denver's going to reap the benefits of it if Drew Locke is what they believe he is, which we're going we're gonna to find out for sure. Now, we're going to jump right to the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, who they had a kind of semi-basic draft. I know a lot of people like the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire draft pick in the first round. He's not my highest draft, not the highest running back I had on my draft board, but he was the first one that went in this draft, and We'll see how that works for them. They needed a running back to turn to. Uh, they went and got Willie Gay Jr. in the second round. And other than the off-the-field stuff, that might be a very solid pick for them at linebacker. And they kind of need that area more than anything. Maybe the safety position they needed to be solidify there. But also that linebacker position was lacking. The other part of that team that was lacking overall was on the offensive line. They're starting to lose the pieces that they're retaining off that Super Bowl team. And one of the things they needed to get was another tackle, and they got Lucas Niang, who I think is going to be the best player out of this draft class and the most important one when it comes to protecting Patrick Mahomes and keeping him healthy. So overall for the Chiefs, you could have said, yeah, they, may have, they could have did better, but 
when you're the reigning Super Bowl champs, you're not going to look at the draft and be like, you need to hit a home run with every pick. You're coming off you're coming off a season where you hit all the home runs. So good for the Chiefs, whether one way or another. Now, you go from the Chiefs to the Chargers, and the Chargers, you can't talk, you can't mention them without mentioning the fact that they had to go get their quarterback, and they were able to do that with Justin Herbert. Now, a lot of people may not like him as far as just the profile. They may not think, oh, he's going to be able to hold up in the NFL. He may get hurt a little too much, but I think that he's going to be a good fit for them. He's a West Coast kid. They're gonna. He's gonna. They gave him a lot of weapons, and they followed up that with the the first round pick. That first round pick with their second one, and Kenneth Murray, the linebacker out of Oklahoma, who a lot of people are starting to have questions about as far as if he's going to be able to translate to the current day NFL. He would be on the perfect linebacker in yesterday's NFL, i.e., the mid two thousands NFL. Maybe not in twenty twenties NFL where being able to cover receivers and tight ends is more important than ever, and he really didn't do that very well at Oklahoma. He was more of just the conventional linebacker, even though he was great at being able to do that. Is he going to be able to translate? And you look at the rest of the Chargers draft class, they're able to get Joshua Kelly, who is going to be a solid running back. They needed another running back to add to that staple. Uh, Alohi Gilman who's I think going to be possibly a steel safety in this draft and KJ Hill, who it's kind of the rich getting richer for the chargers who already had all these weapons. You get KJ Hill, who's just going to get open no matter who's out there covering him. He's going to find a way to get open, get an open space. And if you throw him the ball, watch out. So the chargers, not necessarily the highest grade in this draft. I gave him an A minus, but, I think that you can't complain when you look at what they were able to accomplish in their draft. And the team that the last time I'm going to review in the AFC team that I was very disappointed with how they drafted, it's going to be the Oakland Raiders. And that just comes down to they had a lot of things to work with in this draft, and they had some things to address with. Not only did they double down at receiver, which I think they needed to ultimately, but they tripled down at receiver. And now I think they may have gotten three very decent threats with rugs. Bowden and Brian Edwards, but uh, I just don't know overall if that was the smartest move for them. Oh, they needed to get weapons, and that's what they did. And they're going to be able to get a couple receivers, no matter what, for sure, out of this draft class. But the other first round pick they're able they're able to have is Damon Arnett, who's may have fell through the cracks of the corner. I was very high high on him in the pre draft process, but not first round pick high on him. That's why it was very surprising to see him go in day one. And again, it just fell back to where the Raiders kind of overthinking it. The one thing they weren't overthinking, though, was the last pick that they had in this draft was Amik Robertson, who might be one of the best corners in this draft and definitely the one I think that's going to be looked at once this is, you know, three or four years down the line. It's like, wow, how did he fall to 139? So the Raiders at least didn't overthink that one and were very common sense with that pick. But all in all, I gave the Raiders kind of a basic C, C average grade. Not much you can really like look forward to and say, oh, well, this is going to give them a lot to look forward to, in my opinion, other than maybe these receivers panning out. We'll see. But we'll jump to the NFC side of things, and if you look at the NFC side, 
the team that may have won the draft overall, it might be Dallas. And a lot of people are going to hate that. But every one of these picks, C.D. Lamb, Trayvon Diggs, Neville Gallimore, Reggie Robertson, Tyler Badaz, Bradley Anai, and then they went and got this Ben DiNucci guy who typically you hear these quarterbacks that you've never even heard of. They tend to be a guy that might stick on the roster for a while. Not going to be, obviously, a guy you want to put in this game anytime soon, but a guy that can be solid for them. But enough of talking about some random dude that nobody's ever going to really hear about. Look at the rest of this draft class. C.D. Lamb, another receiver on the edge for the Cowboys. That's insane that they're able to have him fall to 17, and you know Jerry was going to take that. He didn't care if that they had other things to get, like maybe on the defensive front. They were able to get another steal later in the draft at Neville Gallimore. But, that, but to get C.D. Lamb, another weapon for Dak Prescott to use, you can't go wrong with that. And then they were able to go later on and get another Wisconsin center, Tyler Badaz. That's he's not going to be as effective, I think, as Tyler Frederick was for the Cowboys. But for the Cowboys to get an, these many just steals, just and these were just common sense picks. Like, why weren't they taken sooner? And they all fell to Dallas. So I Dallas is worthy of top three, maybe the best draft, you know, grade, and definitely flat out a plus grade. And as I was talking earlier, we may be having to give Dave Gettleman his props. I gave him a B-plus grade slightly below that, but all these picks are solid. Andrew Thomas, tackle out of Georgia. He's going to be a 10-, 12-year starter for sure. Xavier McKinney, maybe one of the top, maybe the top safety in the draft. You get him in the second round, that's going to be solid. They needed safety help. Matt Part, who's out of UConn. Again, they doubled down on offensive tackle right away, trying to give Daniel Jones a fighting chance. And what might be the steel corner in this draft, Darnay Holmes, they're able to get him at 110. I mean, Dave Gentleman, this draft for him was very, very solid. You can, not much to complain about overall. And I think for the Giants fans who kind of been ripping their hair out, looking at the way things have been going since, you know, winning the Super Bowl, you could kind of say, this is going to be a draft class that hopefully gives them a lot of hope. Now, moving on from the Giants, the team that I think did the worst in the AFC and the NFC East would probably have to be the Eagles. Now, I'm not trying to bag on Jalen Hurts or anything. I just don't make much sense of the pick for the Eagles in the second round of all things. I thought that Jalen Hurts would want to go to a team that would kind of want to utilize him more in the possible future starting role, but he's not going to get that opportunity in Philadelphia. And I think that Jalen Hurts has a lot more potential than what they're going to try to use him as, which is more of a hybrid Taysom Hill type player. And I don't know. We're going to ultimately see. But other than that, Jalen, they went and got Jalen Rieger in the first round, who's a speed demon, a guy who's got burners. But the problem is, is he's got a lot of problems with his hands as far as drops. He's going to be able to correct that because – that's separating you from being a good receiver from a great receiver, being able to count on you catching the ball every time throwing to. Um, Davion Hill, the, the guy they were able to get with their third pick in this draft, he's a, maybe what might be the steal um, outside linebacker. A lot of people are very high on him. I, he wasn't as high on my draft board, but he protects to be very well in a defense that needs, if above all anything, depth at that position. Uh, Kevon Wallace, a solid safety that might be, you know, seeing some solid time in their defensive rotation. Uh, the other steel pick in that whole draft for them would be John Hightower, who's a guy that's going to give uh, Doug Peterson a lot of 
versatility to say the least. He's a guy that can fit in the slot and he's got big playability for them. And to get those, maybe if the Jalen Rieger isn't as you know good a receiver as they may have hoped, maybe John Hightower can be that for Philly. But overall, B minus ish draft, just nothing that really wowed me about Philly. Now, a draft that I like that really no one else is that high on would be Washington's. I mean, you may have gotten the best player in the draft, obviously, with Chase Young. But when you look at it after that, Sadiq Charles, who I think will project to be a solid right tackle, or if you want to do move him to guard in the NFL, that they may even be able to do that. But he projects as a solid offensive lineman in the NFL. Antonio Gandy-Golden, who might be not the greatest athlete as far as receiver, even in this draft class, but he's got solid hands. And for a team that needs receivers, able to get Antonio Gibson with the second pick and then moving and getting Antonio Gandy-Golden getting the Antonios going in Washington. This is a very good draft class. The other good picks that I like from them, Kaliki Hudson, who a lot of people weren't really having as high on their draft boards. I didn't really have him as high on mine, but I think he's going to turn out to be a solid, if not depth player, rotation player here in the NFL, along with Cameron Curl, who's a solid safety, who's going to see some time with Washington. Overall, I think that... They had a sneaky A draft, in my opinion. I know a lot of people aren't seeing it that way, but I'll give credit where credit's due. They did pretty good in this draft. Now, going to the NFC South, this is a draft where I wasn't that high on. And that's just maybe because they just didn't really have the selections to utilize. But Atlanta, I mean... I wasn't that great on AJ Terrell was a reach, a very, very, very big reach in round at pick 16 in the first round. Like he's a second round corner, maybe even somewhat projected into the third and they reached at 16. Maybe they like what they saw at him, but I don't know. That was a reach right off the bat. Marlon Davidson. I do think that maybe is kind of a good fit for them at 47. They needed to defensive tackle more than anything in this draft. And they were able to get that. But the other picks, Matt Hennessy, He's more of the depth addition, Michael Walker. Like, this draft was a very, like, average, below-average draft for Atlanta. They had a lot of things that they could have addressed, and they didn't address it. And it doesn't really surprise me because they didn't really have the ability to move up to where they wanted to, to get, like, an Okuda, which is what they really wanted. But, I mean, for Atlanta, this is not a very good draft. The other three teams, though, in this division had great drafts, in my opinion. Almost all A-worthy drafts. And then you look at teams like Carolina. Carolina, they went defense, 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 and some more defense. You can't go wrong with Derek Brown, who might be the best defensive tackle in this draft, who's just a menace. Every time you watched Auburn play, he jumped off the screen and being able to go to Carolina, he's going to get a lot of reps, at, and he's going to get a. He might be in line for defensive rookie of the year if, you know, given the opportunity this year to really showcase that. And they followed up pairing him up right next to him with Yatir Gross Matos, who at Penn State was a very solid edge rusher. May not have gotten as much, you know, notoriety as other players, but he's going to give Carolina a solid edge rush. Then the other players that they went with Jeremy Chin, big giant safety out of Southern Illinois, Troy pride out of Notre Dame, 
Raby and Roy, who out of Baylor, who a lot of people were very, very high on in this draft. And, you know, to get them that late in the draft, very, very surprising. But if you're Carolina, more to the merrier. And then with that, they also the first XFL player and, you know, will be also the only XFL player looking at the way that league folded and Kenny Robertson getting selected. Looked out, looked like that worked out for him to go down to, you know, St. Louis and play for a year in the XFL. He ends up getting drafted. Hope his draft stock. Now, the team that had only four selections, but they did very good with their four selections, was New Orleans. They went and get Cesar Ruiz, who is the top projected center and interior offensive lineman in this draft. Very, very good, solid pick for them. They've been lacking at that in recent years. And to get, you know, some more help in that position, especially for Drew Brees in what might be his final year or two, that'll help. Zach Bond, who fell to them, absolutely fell, had the first had a first round grade and fell to them at seventy four, was a no brainer pick. And then a, just a, another player that no one got any attention for, maybe because he went to Dayton and was their first draft pick, was um Adam Trotman, the tight end. He's almost got this Gronk like ability to be this just total mismatch on the receiving side of the ball, and Drew Brees is going to love to take advantage of that. So even though they only had what was ending up four selections for him, the Saints did a lot with those four selections that will help them going forward. And I think the best team, and I know a lot of people might be already getting sick of Tampa Bay getting all the best things or getting this and getting that, but this draft – they again, they hit home runs. I mean, this is all a plus with you know getting Tristan Werps, who might be the best offensive tackle. Who again, this offensive tackle class was stacked, but he had the best combine numbers by far. I know combine numbers, especially harking back to Tony Mandarich, might not mean anything really. This guy is the real deal as far as he just he brings it. Tristan Werps is going to be a very very big help to Tom Brady in his first year in Tampa. And then they were able to find Antoine Winfield, who I was kind of disappointed the Browns didn't take in the second round, but the Buccaneers were able to get him at 45. He's going to be a very, very, very good player for them. And they followed that up with two offensive threats for um, Tom Brady. They get Keyshawn Vaughn, a running back, and then Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota, the wide receiver. This draft, it... Did everything that Tampa needed, and then some. They got some very good value at their picks, and overall, the Bucks probably had the best draft in the division. That other than the Atlanta hit home runs, uh, and then the final division we'll cover obviously would be the NFC West, and I think this team, if there was any team I had to give a you know a trophy as far as to say the best team in the draft, it had to be Arizona, just because they had. Maybe the best fortune of players falling to them and just no-brainer picks. Isaiah Simmons, which might be the best athlete overall in this draft. If you can't find a position to put him at on the field, then you probably shouldn't be a defensive coordinator. As I was saying about the NFC West, and the, I think the team that may have had the best draft out of any team would be the Arizona Cardinals. Isaiah Simmons being able to utilize him at any position, really, as far as being able to be a hybrid safety to offensive to interior linebacker to outside linebacker edge rusher. If you can't utilize him in the NFL, you're probably going to get fired. So, and you probably should be fired at this point. So, 
for them to have him fall to number eight, that's a steal, no-brainer pick for them. And then to have the other – this player, I don't know how Josh Jones, who is complete stud offensive tackle, to have him fall to number 72 – I don't understand how the Cardinals got that fortunate to have that happen to them. But though, right away at this, Steve Kime, perfect, perfect picks, your two, top two picks. Right away, that gets you A-plus grade. And then they followed it up with two defensive tackles who might be the two solid defensive tackles in this draft that I know might be starters week in and week out, Leaky Fotu, Richard Lawrence. Overall, this draft is perfect for Arizona going forward, even having Eno Benjamin, a running back, fall to them late in the draft. Arizona, I think, definitely for the value that they got in all these picks, they got solid starters looking for looking in the future. I think that this is the best draft, in my opinion, by anyone. And then once you look at other things in this draft... Oh, I'm just I'm sorry. I actually skipped over the NFC North, so we'll cover the NFC North after this. But once we get to the after that, you get to the Rams, who I think that they had kind of a so-so draft. They needed a running back. They got Cam Akers, who's going to be a very good option out of the backfield. Van Jefferson, a receiver who, yeah, he's not got as high a ceiling as other players in this draft at the receiver position, but offers them very good value at that. But after that, this draft was not the greatest draft for them overall. I think that they could have made better use. They went and got two safeties. I like Terrell Burgess, but I don't think they needed to get two safeties. So it was more of a so-so draft for the Rams and more of a so-so offseason for them. Uh, the Niners, who, if you wanted to add in total moves, they would have gotten an A for the draft, but I'm not going to count the trade, you know, for Trent Richardson and all that. So I just stuck with the B plus for them. Javon Kinlaw, who I think is going to be the best D tackle. They're able to get him in the rich, get richer department for San Francisco. That's what they got. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, a guy who I'm not as high on. Um, I think that he's a guy that is good though. After the catch as you know, um, yards at run after the catch ability is probably maybe the highest in this whole draft class. So they were able to get him um, with their second second round pick, I mean, second first round pick, and uh, overall able to fill the needs, get another tackle to get some depth, uh, tight end option and receiver option, and with Jawan Jennings later in the draft, the Niners did pretty decent for themselves, and especially once you throw in the Trent Richardson acquisition. And well, the last team we'll talk about in the NFC West will be. Seattle, who I think had a bottom five draft, they had a lot of things they could have did, and instead they started off with reaching for Jordan Brooks in the first round, uh, went with Darrell Taylor and Damian Lewis, who I think both were so-so to not that great picks in the second round. Uh, Colby Parkinson, who we'll see if he pans out for them. They've had a revolving door at tight end, and they went and got another one later in this draft with Steven Sullivan. Uh, I think their best pick is Alton Robinson at defensive end, who is a very, very good player. I know he needs to help you know, get more juice when he's off the snap, but overall I think that he could be a solid starter and rotation player for Seattle going forward. But other than that, this draft was a very, very not good draft, and I went from very being very high on Seattle going into the season almost being a Super Bowl pick 
to not being that high on them now going forward just because this doesn't really instill much, you know, I'd say confidence in their depth going forward. So I gave them a bottom five grade in this draft. So overall, I think that Seattle needed to do better. And now we'll get to the division that I forgot to get to. My bad, folks. And that's the NFC North. And if you look at the NFC North, you got to start off with Chicago. Now, with what Chicago was able to get done with their little amount of picks, a lot of people didn't like the Cole Komet pick right away in the second round. I think that they may have could have gotten him, you know, 50 and then maybe gotten a higher value player at 43. But they they felt that they needed to get tight end addressed and they went and got it. They went and got a kid that I think that is going to give them a, a good option to turn to, whether he'll be their solid starter or their two option, I don't know. Uh, other than that, this draft was a very ho-hum draft for the Bears, kind of almost average, but I gave them a little bit more because maybe they found something. Overall, the cool thing, I guess the thing to look at from the Bears' point of view, they got cool names. I mean, Kendall Vildor, or Kendall Vildor, um, Arlington Hambright, like, these are weird names. I mean, I guess if you want to buy jerseys with Hambright and Vildor on them, that might help. But you jump from the Bears to the Lions. And now the Lions, I think that you look at what they were able to do. They get the best corner in the draft in Jeff Okuda, which, I mean, if you're looking at what Patricia needs to do, this is the year where he's coaching for his job. So he really needs to make a good impression this year that he's got a solid footing at what he's doing getting the defense he's a defensive coach so he needs to get that defense solidified and that starting off with Jeff Okuda is a solid thing running back has been a revolving door for Detroit and I think getting DeAndre Swift go dogs is going to help them I think he's the best running back in this draft overall with his just ability big playability and they're able to get him we'll see how he works in that Detroit offense then they were able to get Julian Aquara pair him up with his brother it, overall, this draft is a very solid draft. Uh, able to get Jonah Jackson, solid guard. Uh, Quintus Cephas, we'll see if he pans out at receiver for them. For the Lions, it's a draft that you can look at and be like, well, they've added in positions they desperately needed it, and you know, we'll see if that ends up getting them to that next level that they need to get to and whether that'll help Patricia keep, keep his job in Everly at the end of the year. But Overall, it's going to be a decent draft class at the end of the day for Detroit. And now you go from Detroit to the most questionable draft out of any team in the NFL. Can't believe I almost forgot to bring up Green Bay. But yeah, Green Bay, I'm going to roast you here. You went and get Aaron Rodgers' replacement. or I don't know what you think Jordan Love's going to be. He might be in three years, a great player. You know, he might develop the way they project and even then maybe if they feel confident with Aaron Rodgers for a couple more years somehow some way that they maybe trade off Jordan Love and then they keep Aaron Rodgers but I don't know what they'll do this draft really is a telltale sign that they want to kind of flip the switch on their offense and completely go from giving Aaron Rodgers all the vertical any vertical threats to you know keeping it very close to the vest and pound the rock that's pretty much going to be how Green Bay rolls you follow up with that with A.J. Dillon, who's just, again, I th- I had him going in the sixth round in my most recent mock, and you get him in the second. Kind of just overall, all these moves were just a very questionable draft 
after that, Josiah DeGuara, who's kind of that tight end who can be that fullback mode and just overall this kind of just wanting to go back to almost a primitive-esque offense in Green Bay. I mean, the, I think the steel pick out of them all is on the defensive side and Kamal Martin, who is very versatile and is going to give them a different you know look than what they had at Blake Martinez at inside linebacker. But other than that, this draft is just very much want to – dedicate themselves to pounding the football and whether you know you agree with that or not that's just the way they're going to do it uh whether what matt floor should be the one to make this decision i don't know because you're really playing with a guy's legacy and aaron Rodgers. you're saying well i don't know if you're going to be the capable of getting this even after a year where he got you to the nfc championship game as limited as he was able to play i mean i don't know I think that this was by far the most questionable or what might be the worst draft out of them all. Um, I don't know. That's all I got to say about the Packers right now is I don't know. And I think what might be the best is I don't know what Minnesota's planning with all these picks because not every one of these players probably be making the roster one way or another. But, like, they had, like, 17 picks, essentially. And with them, they did... And I know a lot of people weren't even as high on Minnesota's drafts class, which didn't make much sense to me. But you start off with Justin Jefferson, who fell to them at 22. They needed to get into the receiver, obviously, with Stephon Diggs now in Buffalo. Justin Jefferson, I don't know if he's going to be Stephon Diggs, but he's going to, you know, they're going to give him a good shot at it, I guess, at this point. And Jeff Gladney, who's an absolute stud corner to get him at the very end of the first. Uh, Ezra Cleveland, who is personified Minnesota NFC North offensive tackle and he'll be a starter for them for years to come the rest of this class I mean they got James Lynch Troy Dye like this is a very very like good this is by far the best draft class in the division can't debate that but what they're able to do get some receivers get some offensive linemen and overall just retool the roster retool the troops and that's what minnesota did and i think you know i think you got to give them an a plus just because they had so many things it's hard to mess up a draft when you practically have half the picks in it so that's why i gave them so when you look at it i mean my a pluses the teams that hit draft out of the ballpark were the ravens uh the broncos cowboys redskins Vikings, Buccaneers, and the Cardinals, those were the teams that you could say. And there were some teams outside the, that top echelon of teams in this draft in this draft that really hit home runs. Uh, the Dolphins, Browns, uh, Colts, those type of teams. Uh, Giants kind of sneakily were very good. Uh, Carolina, New Orleans, those teams had very good drafts. But all in all, there was about five to six teams that you could say you could not go wrong with any of these selections and you could see them having like maybe six starters possibly out of, I know with Minnesota, when you have 17, you could get that many, but you know, with teams like Baltimore, what they were able to capitalize with, with how much they had, it's pretty, it's quite impressive. I think that you could say that out of the winners group you had in each division, the East, you had Miami with all their selections. Miami was the biggest winner in the AFC East, getting their quarterback of the future, getting some offensive linemen to help them out, and even an edge rusher that I think will help them. 
in the North, in the AFC North, you'd go either way with Baltimore or Cleveland. I like Baltimore's draft class a little more. I think they did a little more with theirs, but Cleveland, ultimately, they had a lot of value with their selections and some players followed them. Like Jedrick, like Jedrick Wills followed them at 10 and Grant Delpit in the second round. I think that that could be a very good draft class for them, but Baltimore would be my winner in the AFC North. The AFC South, it was close between Indy and Tennessee. I went Tennessee because I think they got the best value for theirs. Uh, the West, I think Denver, because their weapons, this draft class, it completely revitalized the weapons that they had in their offense. And they should be, if Drew Locke pans out, a team to be reckoned with in the years to come. NFC East by far, I think even with Washington as good as they said, I think Dallas had the best draft in NFC East with just the amount of talent that they were able to acquire. Uh, the North, Minnesota, again, when you have all those picks, it's hard to mess up. In the NFC South, uh, I think Tampa, just because the current situation and what they're able to get, uh, it's going to really help Tom Brady and that Tampa defense, even the players that they're able to add on. It's gonna very. It's gonna help Tampa take that next step going forward, and I think the NFC West, the best play, the best team that in this whole draft had to be Arizona. Just the players they got the steals and the players that fell to them. Hard to go against the Cardinals. I think they're the biggest winners in this draft, and the teams the. Be kind of disappointed with would be your New England's, which isn't really surprising at this point with the way they draft, just not really taking advantage of the opportunity. Going no quarterback too, which is surprising. Uh, Houston, uh, they didn't really take advantage. They couldn't really, and maybe you're questioning Bill O'Brien's abilities as a GM at this point, but they didn't really do much in Houston. Uh, Las Vegas, they ho hum. I, again, tripling up at receiver, kind of questionable to do. We'll see how that pans out for them. They really need a receiver help, but I don't know how badly in that ability. Uh, Green Bay, and that's obviously doesn't even need to be said. The fact that they're kind of willing to redo things and revamp it as drastically as they are, and you know, we'll see what they're able to do with the remaining amount of Aaron Rodgers' time. And Seattle and Atlanta, those teams – Really, really just whether they wanted to move up and weren't able to or just didn't take advantage of it, their draft, you know, capital that they had. Those two teams in the South and the West were very weak, but overall very eventful weekend. You can't really complain when you get that much to review after one week. And that's about as much sports as we've had since about beginning of March, and we're heading towards the beginning of May tomorrow or in the next day. So, quite a big sports fix. Now, with that, in regards to that, uh, we'll see what happens as far as with the pod. I intend on getting more content out in the weeks to come. We'll see uh, with the frequency. I want to get Fridays and Saturdays as far as this when I want to record and get it up as late as Sunday. Uh, but that also also depends on the content, if we're going to get stuff to talk about. If we get nothing to talk about as far as there's nothing going on, uh, we don't get any solid plans as far as leagues is w- what they want to do going forward, then there's not much we can do. So, But I intend on giving some sort of entertainment or content or whatever it may be out there. We'll see what we're able to accomplish. But until then, I'm Connor Brown host of the DTB podcast, signing off. Stay safe and be good.